Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey, kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. Kids Comics. And here are your hosts, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. It feels weird to be it, in it's, the it's, captain's chair. Yeah, I, I'm like, what this do is, I do? This is quite good. Is it? Yeah, gonna go into are you going speed to speed into these comics. Are you going to explain to the, the lovely listener what's occurring? Yeah, we've we've swapped because I am in control of this vessel now. Yes, Michael is captain for this particular episode. Warp speed into comics. Is that what it is? But despite this being the 50th anniversary <laughs> of, Star of this Trek. television show, we are not a Star Trek podcast. No, because this is only going up in December. That's true. <laughs> it's still, it's <laughs> End still of November, year. beginning still of December. Still the same year. Still the 50th anniversary. Still counts. Yes, Michael has taken over completely for this particular episode. He's written it. He's going to produce and edit it. I am. Um, I've I'm done... directing it. I'm acting, but yeah. I'm directing as yeah, well. Yeah, you are the Clint Eastwood of this particular podcast. Yeah. And I'm the guy that he has in every one of his films. Right, okay. <laughs> and I've done Jack All. I've not you've, even made many not, notes, it has not. to be said. You've been... I've really took your role very seriously. This is how disappointing it feels. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'll be honest, lovely listener, I didn't think he'd pull this one out of the bag. So I didn't start making notes until last weekend... And then I ran out of time because work got in the way. Underestimated. I did? Sleepless nights I've put into this. But oh, <laughs> you, you finished the notes for this today. I, yeah. <laughs> so don't pretend. I, I finished the notes. Don't pretend that you did some big old seven-page notes like I do. Finished the, what did you write for this? A synopsis? I wrote two synopsises. Excellent. And well an done. introduction. I'm very impressed. Yeah. Okay. What music are you going to use? I've not decided not yet. Even thought about that. Yet. I don't have to. No, no, it's not going up until December. It's not going up until end of November, beginning of December. So it's... you have plenty of time. Yes. To worry about that, haven't you? All right. Okay. What are we covering? Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> oh. Even though, even though um, there will be a, a picture. Yeah. So <laughs> it's always a giveaway. And I think we said at the end of last week's episode. Yeah. I say last week. It was last week for us. It was a month ago for yeah, the lovely list. It's like when you put wrapping paper around a bike and it's like, oh, I wonder what I've got for Christmas. <laughs> Is this like when people make movies and then they bugger off and make three more movies okay. while they do special effects on the movie that they made and then a year later they've got to go and do press for a movie yeah. that they don't even remember making? So last week we recorded the Jim Lee episode. Yes, but we're not going to remember that, on it? But for up. the lovely listener, that was a month ago. Yeah. And it's still three months away from being released. That's true. See, it's all this timey wimey thing. It's very confusing, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, it's your, we, it's your baby, mate. Shall we move on to emails? Do you only want to do one of them? Well, I was going to say, is it not best off to get them both... Get them all done. Uh, yeah, okay, we could. could well, and then have a, a clean slate when we reconvene. Yes. Okay. It's up to you, though. I'm not bothered. All right. Since you, you are Captain Kirk. That's true. You are Spiz Energy. That's, that's 
Where's Captain Kirk? Where's Spock? I'm here. Yes. Yeah. That you, don't, you don't do the eyebrows, up. though. I can't do the eyebrows. No, I can't I, raise an I, eyebrow. I, I can't. Can you? Go on. Actually, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I can't do the other one, though. I can't do either, can I? No. No, I can't. This is fascinating. It's, it's fascinating. Audio <laughs> broadcasting. Yeah. Can you raise an eyebrow in an audio medium? See, I could lie so I can raise... The, oh, yeah. look how look how well I do it. Yeah, that's that's great. Oh, it's stunning, I that, isn't it? I can't do that well. It's brilliant. I know. In audio brill. <laughs> in audio, I'm much more attractive than I actually am. In audio, I am I am pretty. Yeah. I am large with the pretty. We, we are. We, we, we are the new DC. We are... <laughs> In audio, we are 20. Yes, I have a full mop of her. Yeah. Watch as I toss it behind me in a Timothee fashion. Because you're worth it. I am. <laughs> anyway, get yes, on with it. The first two of our only three emails today. Three, and not one from Chris Franklin. Not one I'm from Chris gutted. Franklin, are from Nathaniel Wayne. His first Earth Uno. Uno. Goes thusly. So, this is coming in a bit later than I'd have liked. I wouldn't worry about it, Nathan. This, this episode will be a lot later than we would have liked. <laughs> but I had to put off listening to your Earth 1 episode until I'd gone around to reading Wonder Woman Earth 1. Lent to me for a possible use in a new upcoming podcast project. So if you read this on her, I guess it means you got the exclusive scoop on that. Again, depends when your podcast project is being released. That's true. The, the show might be finished before this goes up. <laughs> Are you mocking our release schedule? I'm not mocking it. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Criticising, not okay, mocking. Fair enough. I don't really have many thoughts on the Superman one outside of what was said. And yes, even hearing your synopsis, I was thinking, oh, so this is where Man of Steel had ate its ideas from. Mm. The argument between you two over the validity of the Batman volume was epic and my favourite kind of argument to listen to because I found myself going back and forth on who I agree with more because you both made such good points. Oh, cheers, Nathaniel. Oh, you're keeping it diplomatic though, smart. Mm. Even now, I'm not sure where I land and feel firmly torn in the middle, agreeing with Michael on the principle quite strongly but ultimately not being able to shake the feeling that, as Andrew said, Batman was just a bit too crap at this. Awesome discussion. Thank you very much. In regards to your favourite question about the TV show Gotham, it got better. I, for one, kind of hated the pilot, but it's one of my favourite shows running now. I had to get out of the headspace of thinking that this was a prequel to any version of Batman that we actually know. It's not. It's a straight-up Elseworlds, all bets off, stop trying to fit this into pre-existing continuity kind of take. And once that fully clicked for me in Season 2, after winning me back by starting to go outlandish by Episode 3 of the first season, I frankly love it. I think the shame is many comic book fans tuned out and gave up before they made that switch over. Which is us, to be fair. Yeah. So now that it's all... For the first two seasons are all on Netflix. Mm. So maybe I'll whack that in my queue and give that a go one day. When you're maybe, bored over Christmas. Yeah, when I'm bored over Christmas. But yeah. again, when you're, you're trying to catch up with something like that, now it's all arc mythology. Yeah. You've got to watch... There's 44 episodes there now. Who has that kind of time? You can't just jump in and watch Yeah, that. I mean, if, if I can just pick up and go, all right, this was a good one. Yeah. But you can't really do that anymore, can you? No. That's not the way TV's made anymore. Nope. I have to say, I was a little disappointed with your discussion of the Wonder Woman book. Oh, this email started He was doing so off. well, wasn't he? He did, yeah. Not that it was bad, but it ended up being more of a rebuttal of a review you read than a close look at the book itself. Anyways, I'm a bit mixed on this one. It's... Actually, before you carry on, that, that's fair criticism. It I'll is. take that on board. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's certainly better than the new 52 take on the character by a country mile. I hate Wonder Woman having a father and being lied to about it for her life. But at least this version of that idea, the decency to not have the father figure loom over the entire narrative and turn the premier independent woman of comics into a walking suitcase of daddy issues. <laughs> Most of the ideas in the book I really like. I think the kink was very well handled and I completely disagree with Michael's belief that it could have been more explicit. Um, I don't think I said it could be more explicit. I think it, uh, the point I was making, if I didn't get this across, was that it wasn't on... It, it, it was more subtle than it could have been in a lesser writer's hand, mm. I think was the point I was trying to make. Right, it, so you weren't act, asking for it to be an explicit take on Wonder Woman. Yeah, I was saying that it could have been had it not been... A, it was more... It could have been more explicit in the in what it was saying, not more explicit yeah. in... Yeah. yeah. I think acknowledging the sex in the way it did, but not making a deal out of it, kept it from being exploitive. I actually think most of the most salacious stuff is in the eyes and the looks characters give each other, and like it staying at this level. In principle, Isle of the Wonder Woman resolves the dilemma without throwing a single punch. Don't get me wrong, I adore when she kicks ass, but in my mind, she would always go for the path of peace first, and only when that fails does she lay the smack down. So I like most of what Morrison had going on with the ideas, but the story, to be blunt about it, flows like absolute cack. <laughs> Only we used the word cat. I know, yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's catching on. Yeah. I actually haven't read much of Morrison. I know, bad geek, no cookie. So maybe, <laughs> so maybe I'm just not used to his tricks. But I frequently have the same feeling of, wait, what just happened? When did this happen? Why any of it? That I had with Batman versus Superman Dodge. <laughs> the frankly stupid crap going on with panel borders half the time. Look, the borders are the lasso of truth. Now that's a shattering pot. Now it's something else distracting that makes it hard for the eye to easily progress. Didn't help that issue at all. I'm sure it all works better on a second reading when you already know what's going on, but I don't give a free passes for that. Overall, another lovely bit of listening. Keep it up. Cheers, Sincerely, Nathaniel, Nathaniel Wayne. P.S. I'm sure the movie you were thinking of with the big head came out of the ground and the jaw lowered to be walked into was Disney's Aladdin, where the Cave of Wonders did that trick. At least that's what leaked it to mind. Could have been Aladdin. Yeah. It could have been that Grace Jones music video. Okay. That's over my head. Just, yeah, you remember Grace Jones, big, tall, no. statuesque no. model in the 80s. She's no. in a James Bond film. I, I, uh, no. No. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I think the the panel but the panel borders were were really good in that. One. I liked, I like the art. I thought the artwork was really quite impressive. Yeah. But you know, Salavi, yeah, yeah. so the old folks. Uh, Nathaniel returns with Throne of Atlanta. Is Throne of Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta has a throne now. Apparently so. Yeah. Excellent. Howdy y'all. Howdy Nathaniel. I was intrigued of hearing how Throne of Attilan worked on the page. <laughs> Attilan, Attilan, home of the Inhumans. Just start that again. No, no, <laughs> carry on. Keep on. Worked on the page as my only experience with it was the animated film, which, as established in the letter you read in that very same episode, is god awful. Yeah, it wasn't good. I did my full review on Animation Junkie, a series available to be viewed on the Council of Geeks YouTube channel. I thought I'd plug something else this time around, <laughs> so I won't go over all the same ground here. It's a very good plug in there. Yeah, a very good plug it. The short version is that the vast majority of issues I had with the throne of arthritis appeared. <laughs> not to, I have to keep to keep second reading them to know I'm not. <laughs> did I misread that? Or did no, I no. That? Throne yeah, of yeah, yeah, arthritis yeah. is brilliant. Appear to not be present in the original comic book version. <laughs> Genius. These would include Arm being sure to be cartoonishly evil. He fakes the attack on Atlantis to grab power because 
evil, and <laughs> appallingly stupid. He summons a massive tidal wave that the League openly admit they can't stop, and doesn't actually have it crash into the shore, rather stopping it dead, like and then parting the curtain to reveal his army, an army that could have just been battling cleanup after the destruction of the wave, but I guess that wouldn't be sporting. No, but it would have won the war very quickly, yeah. <laughs> which is the point of a war, surely. Mm. The rest of the Justice League, being a completely removable element in what was really only an Aquaman story and finally the excessive violence, which is not only unnecessary but actually causes the film to shoot itself in the foot when the film goes from heroes clearly killing Atlantean soldiers in bloody fashion to declaring both sides to be friends within 10 minutes. See, the, the yeah, see, none of that's in the comics, has it? No. None of that. So all of your problems with the film, Nathaniel, are just problems the with the film. So that is a bad adaptation yeah. of what I thought was a pretty damn tight story the, in the comic books. Yeah, the, the DC animation film seemed to fail when they put their own hmm. take on it. See, the, see that maybe that's something that we, we didn't consider. Perhaps Throne of Atlantis doesn't quite work as well when divorced yeah. from the ongoing narrative of the Aquaman books and Justice League, so maybe it wouldn't have made a good live-action movie. Mm. Maybe I was wrong. But um, a prime example of that would be The Killing Joke, which came out yeah. recently. Record, as we record this. The yeah. major problem with it was what they put into it. Yeah, it's what they added. Once yeah. it turns into an adaptation of The Killing Joke... It it's a good fun. adaptation of The Killing Joke. Yeah. Whether you like The Killing Joke or not, it's a good adaptation. It's a good it. adaptation of it. Yeah. Uh, Nathaniel continues, like I said, New 52 based animation films have been awful. Except, shockingly, for Batman Bad Blood. It's crazy. I watched it shortly after I sent you the email saying I was sure it would suck, and it was genuinely good and fun. However, I realise it's not because it actually fixes any of the problems those films have had, it just minimises them, or the nature of the story makes them not present. Since the story is about Batman being missing, the character's completely out of whack moral compass isn't an issue because the problem isn't on display. Batman being gone means there are plenty of characters around who are happy to tell Damian Wayne to shut up, shut <laughs> the ever-loving hell up. Plus, the character is used is used less in the first place, thank Namor. The action isn't nearly as boring because they have multiple leads with multiple fighting styles and it's cut together well, and the villains are throwaways. I wish I could say it gave me hope that things would turn around, but I'd already seen the Justice League vs. Teen Titans which came out after, and that was, altogether now, god awful. Anyways, I quite almost pretty much kind of basically enjoyed this episode, more or less. Was that enough of a qualified praise for you? That, that, was, fan days, that was fantastic qualified praise. Yeah. <laughs> There were two excellent emails there. Thanks, Nathaniel. Uh, Damien finishes off now. Uh, Damien General Lee, presumably. Is it Damien General I presume Lee? this is Damien General okay. Lee, yeah. Right. You were right. Good way to start an email. I love emails that start with you were right. BVS Ultimate is a much better film. It makes much more sense, and while it's still flawed, I love it. I might not agree with all of Snyder's choices, but I love that he made the film he wanted to, and damn pleasing anyone else. Yeah, fair play. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I'm listening to you, Cap White podcast and Snap responding. Live Twitter. It is, yeah. Live emailing. <laughs> Live emailing. Love <laughs> from from the beginning of September. Yes. <laughs> love that your semi-regular that totally my pod heart is no longer empty. Never stop. Thanks as always, Damien. Generally. Oh, thank you very much, Damien. Yes. Don't stop me now. Well, speaking of Snyder. Yes, but a different one. Yes, after this break, we will look at a different Snyder's mm. work. A Scott Snyder. A Scott Snyder. Not a Zack Snyder. Not a Snack Snyder. No, not a Snack. Not snack. a Snack Snyder. That's, that's when he's. That's Tubby Snyder. <laughs> snack Snyder. Snack Snyder. <laughs> I love that as a name. 
Batman Nightcast, a thrilling new podcast from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, hosted by Ryan Daly and Chris Franklin. Nightcast chronicles the Cape Crusaders' adventures in Batman and Detective Comics after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Highlights from this legendary era include Batman number 400, Legends, Mike Barr and Alan Davis, Batman Year One, Batman Year Two, Max Allen Collins, Ugh. Um, the new Jason Todd, Ugh. Millennium? You're not doing this right. Let me take over. Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park? Did you hear me say Norm freaking Brayfogle? Oh, yeah. Son of the Demon. The Killing Joke. A Death in the Family. Batman Year 3. A Lonely Place of Dying. Alan Grant, Alan Davis, Max Allen Collins. Why are there so many people named Alan from this era of Batman? The Rise of Tim Drake. Legends of the Dark Knight. And that's just up until 1989. Did anything exciting happen with Batman after that? You'll have to tune in to find out. Batman Nightcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find it on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Oh, we forgot to mention your favorite issue, When Batman Fires Dick Grayson. You want to find another co-host? I can't do it, and we're back anymore. No, we just got stressed into it. We do on my show, and we're back. All right, oh, breaking with the formula <laughs> yeah, there. Well are. done. This is my show now. Yeah, absolutely. The Court of Owls, according to Scott Snyder in the introduction to the Absolute Edition, came from a tour bus in Times Square. He was working on the Black Mirror for Detective Comics in 2010 when he got a call from editor Mike Mertz, who asked him to come into the office. Thinking he was going to be fired, Snyder was told about DC's plans to bring back Bruce Wayne and wanted him to write the main Batman title. He initially thought about rejecting the offer. Dick was easy to write, as his fears of becoming Batman mirrored Snyder's fears of writing it. But Bruce was the reason Snyder both read and wrote comics. His thoughts turned to the city that Batman would inhabit. The cities in both Year One and Dark Knight Returns were cities that were familiar to him. Cities that were full of urban decay and corruption and lived in fear of Cold War politics. But when walking through a Times Square that was much different from when he was a child and seeing a group of tourists getting off a tour bus, he realised that his city had changed. And so the idea came to him of Batman's city changing behind his back. Artist Greg Capullo, meanwhile, was providing art for Images Haunt when he was offered two jobs. One was the now long-forgotten Avengers vs. X-Men, <laughs> and the now critically acclaimed and fan-loved Batman. And with Grant Morrison's epic beginning to wind down, the now superstar team was a well-needed kick in the ass for the Bat titles. Avengers vs. X-Men was a thing. It was, do you remember that? I vaguely recall us covering it. We covered it, yeah. Yeah, we did, yeah. And so, we begin... Our epic coverage. Yes. So we're a Batman podcast again. Oh, we've turned it to me. Yeah, okay. We've already covered Death of the Family and Zero. We've already yeah. covered Death of the Family and Zero, yeah, so now, now we're going back and doing... Yeah, to what was stuff. a big smash hit of the new 52. Uh, and deservedly so, hmm. I think. Uh, covers. Covers, yeah. So we're yes. looking at all the covers in one go like we do when no, we do we'll, stuff we'll, like this? No, we'll look at we... the court first. Uh, yeah, all, all of it, yeah. All right. Well, it, it is split into two volumes in trade paperback. You've got the absolute edition. Uh-huh. where it's all in one nice big volume. The Court of Owls covers issues 1 through 7, and the City of Owls covers issues 8 through 12 and Batman Annual 1. But the actual Court of Owls story ends with issue 9? Or 10? 10. Is it 10. issue 10? Because so issue really, 11 is the Becky Cleaner one. Yeah, so there's arguably a case to be made, though, that the first trade paperback should really have ended with issue... Did you say 10? Yeah. What do you think? 
Uh, and the first trade should have been ten issues. Eleven's quite a nice complimentary issue because it takes place around. Yeah, and in the, the trades, issue eleven is that the Harper Lee issue. Harper Row. Harper yeah. Row. Sorry, Harper Lee did to kill a mockingbird, didn't she? Yeah. Um, there's an issue that is a supplementary story. Was it a backup? Were the the Bat family get the signal from Alfred of what's going on? Yeah. That in your absolute edition is at the back. It is, which, which makes no sense. It's a bit. Jarring, Whereas in yeah. the the trades, volume one of the trade, it actually is put in the correct sequence, isn't it? Yeah. So whilst the artistic depiction is slightly jarring, going from Greg Capullo or Capullo, whichever way you pronounce it, to whoever it is who drew that story, mm. who was it? Uh, it's. Raphael Albuquerque. Is it? Yeah. The story actually makes more sense to follow that narrative thread. It does. So I think that's the the absolute that's made a slight error, the, I think. The absolute is a bit weird. Because then you get to the end of the story and you've got a bit of a story that's in the middle. Yeah, it's That's not, one of those rare occasions where the backup actually takes place directly yeah, in the story. But it's not entirely necessary. You can skip over it and still get the most of it. Yeah, but it, it feels a bit but, better if it's in the right place. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so the covers for issue one, all of which were done by uh, Greg Capullo. God, how many were there? Uh, there were variant covers. We'll mention them after. All right. Uh, so Batman fighting the Rogues Gallery. Which is the cover of volume one. Yep. Uh, issue two is Batman jumping off the bike to take out criminals in hel- helicopters. Mm-hmm. Issue three is Batman fighting the Talon. A really quite good one because Batman stabbed in its white background and all that. Yeah, all that blood and the red and the white. It's really good. Issue so four, the Talon watches over Gotham City. Yep. Uh, Batman 5, Batman bloodied with a talon over him. Yep. Uh, 6, Batman as the, the owl owl thing. Yeah, the, the scurry cover. Yeah, the scurry one. Yeah. That's the cover of the Absolute, isn't it? Oh no, the last cover is the cover one of the of Absolute. Them. Yeah. yeah. Um, what it is, the slipcase has that one. Right. And another one, I can't remember now. Oh, it's just the talons and all that stuff. Yeah. And the inside, the actual book itself, has. It's quite good actually because complement each other. That cover on the front. Yeah. Which is the one we've just talked about. And that one, which is for issue nine, I think. So issue four and issue nine's cover. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, variant covers were done by several people. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're all in the back of the tread. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So I can look at these. Uh, so the first one was by Ethan Van Skeever. Looking more like Brian Bolland than ever. Yeah. Uh, Although, look at that Van Skeever's there. The body is, is quite svelte. But muscular. Yeah. But look, his arms are his just arms far are too off. big for that body. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, issue two's variant was by Jim Lee. Yeah, that's, that's a standard Jim Lee Batman. Love that the Zeppelins in the background. Yeah. yeah. Never go wrong with Zeppelins in a Batman <laughs> story, do you? Uh, issue three's variant was by uh, Ivan Reese. Don't think Ivan really got the costume. That's not Ivan Reese. All oh, right. Am I looking at the wrong one though? All right. Yeah, the Ivan Reese. It's good, but it's just Batman swinging. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, issue four was by Ryan Michael Choi. Michael Choi. Michael Choi. Michael Choi. Michael Choi. How many Choi's are there? I've no idea. Three. Are they, are they related? Three now, yeah, <laughs> three. yeah, I just made up three. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty much exactly the same cover as the Ivan Reese one. Batman firing the bat grapple. Yeah, Batman's smashing through something. The Ivan Reese one, he's jumping off something. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Big difference though. Issue five uh, was by. That Chris Burnham? Yes, Chris Burnham. It was on the tip of my tongue. Yep. It's quite good, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, he's looking over the maze while the owls all look at him. Yeah. Don't um, they, again, the costume looks a bit, little too bland on that one. And I really well, don't buy those knee pads in the, the shape Batman of bats. The Batman costume is a bit bland when it's not got Jim Lee lines all over it. Uh, okay. 
And uh, issue six's variant cover was by... Gary Frank. Gary Frank. Yeah, you can tell that. Of him fighting a towel. So what's that one, then? That's Batman issue seven. Is it? Yeah. Oh, so Batman... Yeah, because Batman issue seven's in this trailer. Justin Guggen, is it? Justin Guggen. All right. Right. Which is Batman bleeding everywhere. He does a lot of bleeding in this story, doesn't he? because the crossover starts with Batman 8. What a mistake. After the death of the Waynes, Bruce was lost. Unable to accept that the death of his parents was random, he began to investigate the urban legend, the Court of Owls, which was said to operate and run Gotham from behind the scenes. He discovered that members of Gotham's elite were all part of a club that met in a now abandoned building that housed a windowless room behind an owl crest. One night, Bruce broke into that building and discovered that the room was just empty. There was no conspiracy behind his parents' death. This is how he knows that there is no such thing as the Court of Owls. There are those, however, who seem to think otherwise, especially after Bruce Wayne announces plans to invest and construct new buildings that will help reshape Gotham City, including Lincoln March, orphan and candidate for mayor, and Dick Grayson, whose DNA is found on the body of a John Doe, who was discovered next to a hidden warning that states that Bruce Wayne will die. The following day, Bruce and Lincoln meet to discuss their interest in each other's projects, but are attacked by an assassin, referring to himself as the Talon, who claims to work for the court. Lincoln takes a knife, and Bruce is thrown out of the window. The Talon jumps out with him, but Bruce manages to grab a gargoyle and watches the Talon plummet to his death. Still denying the court's existence, Batman decides to investigate buildings that were erected under Alan Wayne's fund, one building for every decade. Alan Wayne, a superstitious man, left the 13th floor on all buildings empty, which is where Batman finds the bases of operations for Talons. Each building has their own base throughout the last 150 years, but after discovering the base of the current Talon, the building blows up. Managing to escape, Batman returns to the cave where he inspects the body of Alan Wayne and discovers stab wounds in the skeleton that betray the accepted cause of death. If the courts were real, then they would eliminate anyone who tried to change their city. Alan Wayne, Lincoln March, Bruce Wayne. He also discovers a residue on the body and so searches the sewers, where Alan's body was found, for traces of the residue, but he is attacked by the Talon. When he wakes up from the attack, he discovers that he is in a maze and that not only are the Court of Owls real, but they're watching him. Weeks pass in the maze. Bruce sticks to the shadows, costumed in tatters, and tries not to crack. He returns to the same fountain and drinks as little water as possible, convinced that it's drugged. He hides again until the flash of a camera blinds him. He's in a room full of photographs of the court's victims throughout their time in the maze. He's being hunted by the Talon but keeps sticking to the shadows, walking through the coffins of the other assassins, walking over a model of Gotham, but he returns to the photographs and sees his parents. The three are overjoyed that they're finally together, but the owls climb out of their throats. Bruce runs and claws his way through a hole in the floor, but finds himself yet again in the photograph room. He cracks, and the Talon approaches from behind and stabs him. The court watch from above as the Talon beats the dying Batman. They surround him, but in one final moment of desperation, Batman strikes back. He beats the Talon to a pulp before using the filament plates from the camera to blow up the marble fountain. As the court decides to awaken all their talons, Bruce is rescued by a young girl called Harperot and makes his way back to the cave. Once there, he discovers that Alfred had collected the body of the talon he beat in the maze and decides to investigate his body. Bruce freezes the talon to slow the re- his regenerative blood and discovers that he is Dick Grayson's great-grandfather. 
Dick is rather annoyed that Bruce was going to keep that a secret from him and shouts at Bruce until Bruce turns around and punches him in the face. After the initial shock, Bruce shows Dick a tooth that he punched out that had the crest of the coat on it. The John Doe works at Haley's Circus and offered children to the courts to become their next talons. Had Bruce not taken him in after the death of his parents, Dick would have been their next talon. Meanwhile, the talons take flight as the Court of Owls send them to take back their city. Ooh. Um, this is really good. Yeah. I don't think we're giving anything away to say that we actually think that this is top quite stuff. Mm. Issue one is really well paced. Snyder hitting the ground running with just basically, as a standalone issue one issue, it kind of still works. Yeah. It's a, a number one issue where Batman basically fights a lot of his own villains. Mr. Freeze is though. Professor Pig. Is that from Rob Morrison's? Yeah. Because yeah. he was in Beware the Batman as well, wasn't he? Mm. Um, Scarecrow, Two-Face, Riddler, Killer Croc. Who's the big fat sumo guy? Oh, I think that's someone from Morrison's thing as well. Right. Because it's a pretty safe way. I love him kicking his foot through Clayface. Yeah. Which is absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, it's a pretty safe way. Who's that guy in the mask? I don't know. It's not Black Mask, is it? Well, he yes, says, it is. Black Mask. He says two Black Masks, but it's a white mask. Maybe it's he covers it up with a black mask. Mm, okay, fair enough. It's a pretty safe way to open the first issue of Batman. Yeah. Start with a big fight with the rogues. The, the big surprise here is he's teamed up with the Joker. Which is one of those initial, what the moments. Yeah, what the moments. Uh, this is much preferable to having it be an origin story. Yeah. Because it's actually a new story. Well, it's just Batman's just returned, Bruce Wayne's return now. So it's not a new start, it's a kind of a continuation. It's carrying on from the return of Bruce Wayne. But or? at the same time, it was a fresh start, because the Bat books at the time were quite... They weren't at the forefront of DC Comics, were they? Were they not? I thought Grant Morrison's run was still top. Was think, this the point where Green Lantern had eclipsed it? I don't know, I think there was a definite Batman fatigue. Well... You so this this was it was one of the strongest of the issue ones when it first came out, mm. and it was a much needed fresh take on Batman. Even the art style, yeah, initially cartoonish, but it was Greg Capullo's art throughout the entire run is fantastically it's detailed. So much, though. but yeah, you look at this first issue, and it, it's great, mm. but there's McFarlaneisms to it. And well, then... he just got enough haunt, which was. Is that a Spawn spin-off? Kind of. It's it's essentially on art duties with Ryan Otley of mm. Invincible fame, Greg Capullo and McFarlane. Right. Yeah, and so whilst it, he's not a McFarlane clone in this, mm. is it, there's too much grounding in the real world for him to be a McFarlane clone. There's not... Yeah. He's not as stylized as McFarlane. No. I think is what I'm saying. By the time you get to the end of the run... While still being recognisable yeah. as Greg Capullo. Is it Capullo or Capullo? It's Capullo. But it's one of those things you don't notice until you go back. Yeah. You don't notice just how much his art has evolved since he's gone back. Mm. And it, it's not bad here. No. It's not like he started off mediocre and became very good. Yeah. He started out very good. And just got... Um, and just got better. Not necessarily better, but a lot more refined. Mm. So the artwork is absolutely fantastic throughout the, the entire issue. Which is not to take away from, from Snyder's dialogue. Yeah. The dialogue in this is really good. And there is a feeling as well that you're actually being given something to read. 
Mm. Because for all of the action stuff, you've still got Batman's internal monologue in the first issue, which is all about that Gotham is well, that's, article. That's Bruce Wayne's speech. Well, I thought Gotham is was was the title of one of the stories. It is the first one, isn't it? Is that what it's actually? Because yeah. there's no story titles in any of this. No, but it's is monologue throughout this is just his speech that yeah, he gives later on. which is great, because it's it's how that speech relates to what he's doing as Batman. Mm. And then when you get to halfway through the issue, you realise that he's giving one of those I believe in Harvey Dent speeches. Yeah. From the Dark Knight movie. And his, his relationships with everyone is great. Mm. With Dick, with Commissioner Gordon, the bit with Alfred here where they talk to each other about the Batcaves. Yes. Great. I love that bit where he's on about redefining the city and pouring money into it to yeah. redevelop it. And Alfred whispers to him, you neglected to mention the many bat bunkers you'll be building throughout the city, sir. And Bruce is all, I'll mention it next time. Mm. And you're like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. It like Snyder nails the relationship straight away. His dialogue with Commissioner Gordon earlier on is also quite playful. Mm. When um, Gordon's got that kind of smirk on his face and says, the CC footage almost makes it look like you're fighting alongside the Joker. Tell me that'd be ridiculous. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> Brilliant. They, they are great. They're, they're, they're friends in this. Yeah. There's a great line in the last story arc where Batman's believed to be spoilers dead. Mm. And Commissioner Gordon says, no, Batman comes back and says to Commissioner Gordon, who died and made you Batman. <laughs> Which it's, is funny. Yeah. So they've, they've always friends because... A lot of people, especially recently in the past few years, have Batman to be quite antagonistic towards people. And a bit of a dick. Yeah. But it's, it's good seeing him here as friends, as both Bruce and Batman. Yeah, it's it's the difference between being driven and obsessed. But what's good about that as well, it's there's a lot more of a contrast when you can tell that he's annoyed, when you can tell that he's working hard. Mm. You get to the end of this and you can see both artistically and how he interacts that he's stress yeah that he's withdrawing into himself yeah which is never helpful um Kapoor gets his own chance to draw a bat cave mm. i love all the bats just hanging upside down yeah from uh, from the roof the pennies though the dinosaurs though this time they both play into the story yeah they're not just decoration so later on we'll actually get a use for both fido yeah. Which is the name of the dinosaur and the giant pennant, which is great. I do that that composed to Jim Lee's multi-page spread. It's it's not quite nine pages or however many it was. Mm. But at the same time, you don't need nine pages to draw the Batcave. No, and he, he does it, it just, just as effectively. It just delays the book. Yeah, he does it just as effectively, doesn't he? There's a couple of bat planes and a bat copter hanging from the ceiling, apparently. So are they retired models? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And then he's got all these different models of Batmobile, including... Nice to see the movie Batmobile, though. Yeah. The Tim Burton one. Weirdly, the animated one's not there. No, but Dick's Batmobile's there as yeah, well. Yeah, Dick's Mobile's there as well. So that's The Dick's Mobile. The Dick's Mobile. Picks up the chicks, man. Yeah, chicks yeah. dig the car. I love, again, his relationships that you've already mentioned, but his relationship with the different Robins. Dick Grayson comes in the cave... And mm. Dick's got a very playful father-son relationship with him. Because he actually walks up to him. It's true, you actually do practice brooding. Yeah. And uh, that's genius. But it's the Joker who walks up to him. Mm. So at this point, you're really in a, oh, all right, so this is some kind of con yeah. going on. And it's some kind of mask that Dick's wearing. An EMP mask mm. to make him look like the Joker. What, what was the point of that? 
I don't, I, I think, it's cool. Yeah, I think it genuinely was just because he explains that he wants to infiltrate Arkham and do that and that. So that's the easiest way to to have him disguised as but someone else. Basically, it's a strong, what's going on hmm. introduction to the first issue that is then ah right okay. So later He's on, grabbing your attention hmm. and then and he does it exceptionally well. Yeah. My only issue in this particular issue is that all the Robins only look like teenagers. Well, they are at this point, aren't they? Are they? Yeah. So is this in the mythical... The five-year timeline. The magical five-year timeline. Cue Michael Baylor. Yeah. In the the mythical five-year timeline. So Dick's still a teenager here. So does Dick still live in the mansion? No, Dick's in his 20s or something. That's not... He doesn't look in his 20s, does he? That's my only pro. In the art page where Bruce is having a conversation with Dick, Tim Drake and Damien, they all look like they're within five years of each other. So Damien's ten. Yeah. Um, so Tim's fifteen. Tim, I don't know. I'd say, I'd say Tim's like what seventeen, something like that. All right. So Dick's and what? Dick's definitely in his twenties. Still looks, early twenties. <laughs> he looks younger than you, though. He's yeah. Doesn't he? Well, so, in, in the right. new fifty-two, Dick's about the same age as John Constantine here. But if they've only got five years of being Batman, how has he squeezed three Robins yeah, into that? It time? doesn't work because how does a five-year-old Batman have a ten-year-old son. That's a, that's an exceptionally oh, good Didn't point. he explain it in that zero issue? It's accelerated something. I don't... Has Talia fooled around with his DNA? It was Damien's bollocks, whatever DNA? the reason. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> whatever the reason, it was bullshit. Yeah. Alright, fair enough. I'll go along with that. Um, we get an introduction to Vicky Vale, who's wearing clothes. Yeah. Which is a nice point. Mm. The guy's name, Lincoln March. Did you not get a What's It vibe from this? What? Tommy Elliot from Hush. I don't know. Did you know no. this entire introduction sequence hmm. where it's... He's not an old friend, is he? No, he's but there's, just... There's a similarity between the Lincoln March stuff and the, the Tommy Elliot stuff. Is there? I thought so. But in the sense that you're immediately introduced to this guy and you're immediately thinking, is he going to be the villain? Because that's what happened with Tommy Elliott in Hush. Now, I think Snyder does a slightly better job than Jeff Loeb did. Yeah. In that Lincoln March is introduced to someone Bruce Wayne's never met. Mm. So we're not being asked to buy into this whole Tommy Elliott's a lifelong friend. Yeah. Who's been around forever. But we've never met him before. Mm. Uh, So that's different. But there's still that whole, we've just introduced a new character, so clearly he's going to be the bad guy. Right. I didn't get that. That one that ends up being the case. Spoilers. Lincoln March. Yeah. We're gonna talk about the entire story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lincoln March ends up being the bad guy. So and I like that Vicky Vale was dressed. You said, yeah. About that thought. There's no big splash page of her hanging around in her all togethers. No. Just drinking wine in high heels. You yeah. know, like like, we, like real women do, do hang yeah, around. Yeah. yeah. So that was good. My only the, Vicky I said my only problem. I've said that twice now. Uh, Vicky Vale doesn't actually play any importance to the story. No, she's just there to introduce Lincoln March. Yeah, it? so I did wonder why she was around. Unless, because I don't even remember, does that, does does he bring her back? I don't know. I don't remember if, if Snyder brings her back. Hmm? Who's his girlfriend when he's not being Batman anymore? Is that not Vicky Vale? He does, he's hanging around with some girl. 
I vaguely remember. Oh, that's later, much later on, though. It's What's-Her-Face, Julie Madison. Right, so it's not Vicky Vale. No. So he brought back Julie Madison. All right, fair enough. So but it's it's funny to note how um, Harper Rose in this issue. Is she? Because she is invited here in her issue. So she is, yes. She's on the page before this. Before this one as well. <laughs> before that, before that. Yeah, right there, there she is. Right. But it means nothing at the time. No. But then he later on introduces you Harper Rowan. Scott Snyder has this thing where it's good if you're reading his work, mm. but it's bad at the same time. In that we just had the thing with with Duke Thomas. Yeah. In that if you're reading the Scott Snyder stuff, which that first issue of Rebirth is a Scott Snyder issue of Batman. Mm. So Before he hands over to Tom yeah. King. And it's also uh, Scott Snyder again for the second or third time using someone else's bat title to to kickstart his next bat title. Hmm. That rebirth issue is part one to All-Star Batman. Right. More or less. Okay. Um, but So what he does here is he's setting up Harper Rose slowly throughout the entire book. Yeah. And the big problem with that is, I think she went off to be main character in Eternal and then disappeared and is never mentioned in the main bat book again. Uh, is she that? No. Oh, right, because I quite liked Harper Row. She's in those three issues, and then she's in Eternal. Uh, I quite liked her. I thought she was quite an interesting character. Yeah. Good cliffhanging ending to the, the first part, which really... It's one of those things... It's, it must be very difficult to balance cliffhangers in monthly serialised comics that then still work yeah. in the graphic novels. But I got to the end of the first part of this. I remembered none of this. Right. I remembered all this when I read all of this. Sorry, when it came out. Well, I read it quite a few times. Yeah, you've you've read these a lot, so I probably didn't even need to read it. To no, the not really. I remembered none of it. Yeah, because as we've had, you not read these since it came out. No, though? it's weird to think this came out five years ago. Yeah, and I've, I've not read any. I read issue one of this in college. Yeah, not college, high school. Yeah. So this, like Invincible, which is also yeah. coming to an end, is basically your. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your life on this show. It is, yeah. And it's funny to think that when this came out, no one, including Snyder and Capullo, expected it to turn out to be what it came no? out to be. Well, that, I think that's one of its... It's one of, if not the, biggest success story of the New 52. Mm. And we've discussed this before, but how much of that is that this is just another Batman run? Yeah. it's When he took over this, he was quite intimidated intimidated because mm. Grant Morrison had just done it. Mm. Now, in Snyder's eyes, Grant Morrison's a bigger name than Scott Snyder is. So he spoke to him and he said, what do I do? And the first thing Grant Morrison said is you just write in a Batman story. Mm. You don't take over the reins from someone else. You don't try to be someone else. You're just telling your story. And then you go away and the next person yeah. tells a Batman story. Mm. And that's why I think, again, this is repeating ourselves, but I, we, one of the things that we did say was as long as they don't screw up the landing... Mm. This will go down, I think, as a seminal Batman run. Yeah. I think it'll be up there with O'Neill and Adams and Engelhart and Rogers and all of that stuff. And now that they've finished it and not sucked, yeah. I still I think that. And this made, is now a complete body of work. Yeah, isn't and it? they made a very important decision to stop doing it together. Yeah. So they carried on a bit longer than they planned. Yes. But they still ended it. Even though they had the odd issue with other artists. Yeah. It's still Snyder It's still essentially the rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it? So we got to the end of the first issue, which was the cliffhanger ending as to who the bad guy was, and you've got a DNA match with Dick Grayson. Mm. And I read that, I was like, oh, right, let's read issue two then. Yeah. It's, as in issue one, hmm. it's pretty much a perfect first issue. 
you feel like you're reading something. Everything's been set up nicely. You've got a nice mix of Batman and Bruce mm. Wayne, and then you've got your cliffhanger. Yeah, but it still feels like you're reading something of substance. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a perfect first issue. Because do the Court of Owls even play into Part One much at all? No. And it's only when you go, you carry on reading the story, you realise they were in the background. Yeah. Because the first six issues of Nightwing had started off nothing to do with it, but mm. it was pretty much a secret tie-in to the Court of Owls stuff. Yeah. So that was interesting. Mm. So uh, issue two, you've got. Issue 2, I really liked issue 2 because, again, you're thrown straight into the action. There's all that lovely narration about the Wayne building and the Wayne Tower and how much Bruce knows the city. And then it turns out that he doesn't actually know the city very well at all. But you've got that brilliant bit where he's thrown through the window of Wayne Tower and starts plummeting. And then we go 24 hours early, which was very alias. 72 hours. Yeah, Elias yeah. would always go 72 hours earlier after a pre credit This sequence. is a great Batman scene. It is. My only issue with it, I didn't quite think Capullo pulled it off. Right. Because I was, I read it and then I had to go back and go, so Batman was driving his motorcycle at the side of a helicopter. Yeah. I don't, I didn't think he made that quite clear enough. It's the little one there. Yeah, you? I, I, don't, I get you totally, but at the same time... It's really lucky for Batman that they were flying that helicopter right near a train track. Well, they say in the dialogue. Yeah, oh no, it is all though. Capullo's, yeah. as a storyteller... Mm. He's grown immeasurably. Yeah, but the way he does his panels to kind of tell the story to make it flow is either makes it flow fast or makes it slow. Mm. And sometimes he's not quite mastered it. Totally. Yeah. Because it, it is an exceptionally good Batman sequence. Where... He's playing chicken with them, and they think, like, the bat wants to play chicken, let him play chicken. And he skids the bite round to turn, to take no, them he head on. onto the train yeah. first, and then does it. And then does this, and it's, he wouldn't. And Batman just smiles, yeah. and revs up the bike, and rides it right through the windshield of the helicopter. Which is almost as cool as him leaping through the taxi in that Batman adventure oh, we yeah, covered yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Th- months ago. The thing with this is, like... Batman at this time was is Grant Morrison, so he's super cool and omnipotent. So he's super cool in this, but he's fun and mm. human. But the whole point of this story is to bring him down a bit. Yeah. The Court of Owls lay him low a bit and beat him, essentially. Yeah. The Court of Owls win. But their approach to Batman is that he is still super cool, but he's a very, he's a grounded super cool. Mm. And fun, which is important, I think. But I like Ollie's addition of his tech as well. So he's now got this thing in the morgue where he can look at a dead body without actually sneaking into the morgue anymore. Yeah. So he's got all that minority report, like, tech mm. that he can see a holographic image of the dead body, though, thanks to Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. So him and Gordon are essentially performing this autopsy Over with him in the cave, yeah, and, and Gordon in the morgue. And Dick's actually, you know, you're going to miss... Sneaking through those ventilation shafts. Mm. Well, it's it's one of those things where he's got all this cool tech, but then once that's stripped away from him, which the owls do to him, hmm. what is he then? Well, he's just left being himself, yeah. which is what he is. So that's essentially what he's doing, isn't it? He's stripping away the Grant Morrison bat god yeah. and grounding him back as being a man again. So he essentially took his, his advice great away. I love the Dick, Grace and Bruce Wayne relationship in this. Mm. I thought they did an excellent job with that. I also thought as well they do a really good job of making Lincoln March look like Bruce Wayne. This, yeah, without signposting it. 
And what's good about that is he points out at the end that he wanted him to find out. So it's all there mm. for you to... It wasn't a kind of deus ex type thing where all of a sudden he is the bad guy. Yeah, it wasn't like the Tommy Elliot reveal. Yeah. Whereas he, he the wants, Tommy, that was supposed to be a surprise. Yeah, he wants Bruce to know. And so it's all out there. Mm. He's making it very clear for you, the reader, as well. Yeah. And the action sequences... I love the Bruce Wayne action sequences. Yeah. They're just as cool as when he's Batman. Especially when he's plummeting from Wayne Tower and he survives it just because he knows there's an extra gargoyle there. Mm. So there is a case here that Batman knows something about the city that the owls don't. Yeah. So there is. So he's still feeling a little bit confident at this particular moment, which won't last for that long. Mm. What do you think of the Court of Owls? Uh, they're a good concept for this story. They're, mm. they're very, very good. I do like them, but I feel like we discussed this when we did Nightwing Rebirth, mm. Lincoln March, the bad guy in this, he's a threat. He's he's a, a personal threat as well. Mm. But they treat him kind of like a joke in the Nightwing Rebirth. We just kill him off in one panel. Yeah, they've bumped and, him off in Rebirth, yeah. haven't they? So I think the Court of Owls is Bane and Doomsday. Yeah. They're a good villain, but there's only so many times you can tell their story. Yeah, because the whole point of this is the Court of Owls have always been there, which is a massive retcon. It's not a retcon, because if they're doing their job, then you then would have never heard of them before. They shouldn't be around. Yeah. It's still making the reader buy into it, so what you've got to do there is make Bruce believe. Yeah, but Bruce being adamant in it is kind of like the reader as well. Hmm. But it, but that's what ultimately sells it to the reader. Yeah. Because Bruce doesn't believe that they're real. Hmm. He thinks they're a myth. And somebody actually says to him, don't they, but loads of people thought Batman was a myth for ages. Yeah. And so it is all set up for you that it's all there when you go back and reread it. Snyder's done a really good job of laying down exactly what he's covering. Oh, that panel gets repeated. Yes. It's really of setting up his story. It's really well done. Essentially, it's not a story about Batman versus the Court of Owls. No, it's not. It comes down to a story about Gotham City. Mm. And does Batman know the city that he thinks he knows so much about? Mm. That's what the story's about, really. Yeah. And it's it's so I think it's so incredibly tightly plotted, mm. and every single cliffhanger ending again, like the top of Wayne Tower explodes. So Bruce, oh, he's not in Wayne Tower though, is he? No. He's found one of the the owls' buildings that explodes, mm. and Batman's in the building. And so the next one is how does he get out of it? Yeah. And again, you've just got magnificent two pages there. Of Capullo, like you say, opening up the panels, closing the panels, controlling the pacing of the way the reader mm. is taking the story in, while still having the Jeff Loeb in a monologue. The, the monologue never tells you what you're reading, though. No. Whilst he's doing this, Batman's just talking about the the effects of a tripwire explosion, how it, it, it's, yeah. it, it's designed to make you scared. Maybe that's how he stays calm. Yeah. He's thinking about, all right, That's how do I get out of this? actually a great part in the death of the family. Hmm. He's talking to himself because he would talk to Alfred to keep him calm, but at that point he doesn't have Alfred. He doesn't have an Alfred to talk to. And again, the Bruce-Dick relationship would, he says, um, he actually acknowledges that he wouldn't be telling him all this if he hadn't already checked him out. Hmm. And Dick just isn't offended by that. Yeah. You, know, you can't help but wonder that post-crisis Dick would have had a big strop about this yeah, yeah. you don't trust me uh, whereas here he's just totally accepting the fact that yeah Bruce checked this out yeah. he, he does trust me <laughs> 
but at the same time, he had to be 100% sure. Mm. And he, you know... And this is the scene as well where we have the hinting at the obsessed Batman, mm. where Alfred says, like, how much sleep medication he, he slips into, into his food. Yeah, and I love that line as well. Dick asking Alfred, how much does it take nowadays? Yeah. So it's like his body's built up a tolerance to it, or he knows Alfred's doing it. Yeah. So maybe he's not taking it. Although that's always a thought. Snyder changes the artwork as well mm. for the bit where Bruce Wayne, the child detective, investigates the Court of Owls. Who's he looking like, though? He goes all sepia. Yeah. I like that. And again, he slows down the pace of the story with his, his use of wide panels across the entire page. It is... We are kind of gushing about this. Mm. But we have done every time. We've covered well, one of those things. Well, that's... that's for the most part, this was one of the rare times that a comic book has come out and it's been critically and commercially successful yeah. and everyone's been right. This was the only DC comic that you bought every single issue of and didn't complain about how much it cost. Yeah. Because it cost the same amount as Justice League. But I would bitch and moan about get, Justice you League. You got more to read in this than in Justice League. I, I think you did. And I think as a whole... I think this works better, yeah. even though I've not actually read the last art yet. Because what you've made me do by having going back and reading this for a trade paperback, I now want to read the whole thing again. Yes, and then read the last art brand new. But I, th- I think this is better than Justice League. Oh, Justice it is. League works as big balls out action, jump from one adventure to the next, it's, yeah. and it's good when you reread it. It works. But Snyder's proved on this that he's more than capable of doing that in mm. a standalone Batman title. Yeah. But then he he knows when to be personal. And yeah. How to be. I think the big problem is we said when we did um, a couple of weeks ago when we did Throne of Atlantis, Jeff Jim Jeff Lee Jim Lee. Yeah. Jeff Loeb. What's his name? Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jeff Johns just leaps from event to event to event. Yeah. And I think we said he doesn't live in the moment. Everything's about setting up the next thing. Mm. Snyder knows when to slow it down. Yeah. Like, at the end of the trades, after the Owl story is finished, there's that lovely issue about Arthur's dad, Arthur, Alfred's dad, Jarvis. And those were the backup strips. But they, that slows the story down a little bit. Well, they were told... That was a three-issue story told in the backups. Mm. Um, during the last couple of issues. What, that they've put in these as one complete? Yeah. All right, well, they did a good job of it, because I remember, I thought it was an issue. No, no, no. All right, brilliant. So they did an excellent job. what was job. quite good about it was it was a three-part story, backup hmm. story, but by the time it finished, it quite nicely complemented the last issue of the Court of Owls stuff. Hmm. All right, okay. So reading this as a gestalt whole, I mean, I've enjoyed it on a monthly basis. And like you yeah. say, it's the only DC comic I've, I didn't even consider ever dropping. There were moments with Justice League weren't there. I was like, I'm yes. stopping buying this. Yeah. And you were like, no, no, see how it pays off, see how it pays off. And then we ended up sticking with it. Mm. And it's one of those, I'm kind of glad we did. Because yeah, you yeah. write Daxard War. Again, I've not got to that yet, but I will do. Okay. Kind of, you've said it pays the whole yeah. thing off. This was a satisfying monthly read. But going back... It's satisfying how much it holds together as a complete story as well. Yeah, it was always the first one I'd read because it was the one I would look forward to every month. But the problem with that was you always read your favourite comics last. So I can never talk about it with you. I had to no, wait. I, I always save the best to last, yeah. don't I? Most of the time, yeah. Um, so the, the thing about... We're into... What issue is this now? Five. This issue five. Because I think we've already covered this one before. Because... Um, 
Yeah, this is the one where Kapoor just goes absolutely batshit with the layouts. Yeah, and um, it works yeah, so well. It works absolutely magnificently. That He's trapped in the maze, and halfway through, the issue starts being told on its side. Yeah. And then... So it's all in mega portrait. So yeah, so it's all in mega well, mega landscape. And the way you just... Well, no, it's portrait, you've got to twist it. So it's well, like... that's landscape. That's portrait. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, because no, you turn it yes. around and it's big portrait. If it's thin on the sides... But that's landscape paper. No. All right, okay, it's whatever. Just, it's using the, du- the, the double-page spread, mm-hmm. but turn it on its side, so it's one so long it's landscape. portrait. Because if it's landscape, you'd be reading it on its side and you can't read it like that. No, you wouldn't. That's portrait. No, because it's not two pages. <laughs> It's okay, over two pages, but it's one page. Don't argue with me. I'm not arguing with you. Would I dream of arguing <laughs> with you? I would never do that. Yeah. Actually, I would completely dream of arguing with you. Kapoor's artistic choices on Batman's costume and the things he's seen and perceiving mm. as well are really good. Cause yeah, because he's, he's, he's lost one of his eyes. Big. Hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. As well as the cape doing the spawn thing. Yeah. He's lost one of his eye holes. So, and look how much he's he's drawn down the panels as well, mm. as we still go into whatever. And then it goes upside down. Yeah. The, the, the bit with the owls and the wains is great. Oh, yeah. It, it's Well, you've still not read Black Mirror, have you? No. Black Mirror's really good. Right. If, is it Jock draws that? Yeah. Jock draws that. That's Batman as a Vertigo title. Yeah. I actually think that's grimmer than anything he did on the main Batman title. Right. And I wonder if he got away with that because it was Detective Comics. Yeah. So he got to be a little bit grimmer. But yeah, the stuff with the Waynes. How did this work digitally? I've no idea. I can't imagine that it was this, anywhere near as effective. This does seem like something that you have to read physically. Yeah. It's one of those things. This is something you can only do in print. And yeah, despite... You saying that digital is cheaper and da 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 da. da. Mm. There are a lot of things you can only do. Yeah. Physically. No, no, I don't disagree with that because your your comic is now upside down. Yeah. And then you get to just the scene, as is Batman's mental state. As, yeah, because it's excellent. Yeah. Well done. So the owl then what's his name? The talon. The talon. Thank you. Then stabs him through the gut. My only problem with that bit is you're now reading upside down, so the pages are right to left. Yeah. But you use, your eyes look on the left first, so this big page is the first thing you see. What was that like in the original issues, though? It's exactly, exactly to, the same. Was it? You yeah. didn't have to turn a page to see yeah. it? All right, fair enough. Yeah, that is that is a problem with it. But then you turn the page and, and you your comic's upside down. Yeah. So you've got to turn it back the right way and around. It's, it's a lovely Damien moment. Yeah. A lot of people slag him off, but this is a really nice moment with yeah. Damien. Yeah, I love that... Throughout the entire issue, you've been told that the bat signal bulb is dying. Siggy. Yeah. The bat signal. I love that. And I love that that's what Bullock calls it. Yeah. And then the signal blows up just as Batman gets stabbed. Yes. Which is great. Symbolism. Uh, <laughs> pretentious attitude. <laughs> and then Damien says, get another one now. And then he says, please. Yeah. And Yeah. Yeah, I don't know a lot about Damien because I've still not read the Grant Morrison stuff. Damien's like my second favourite Robin. Who's your favourite Robin? Dick Grayson. Oh, is it still Dick? Because yeah. the thing with Damien was a lot of people hate him and a lot of people slag him off, but you're supposed to. Mm. And a lot of the people who slag him off didn't stick around long enough right. for their opinions to change. Oh, you're right. not supposed to like him, which is why you grow to like him over time and then they kill him off. Because mm. you've grown to like him and then he's dead. Right. But then now he's back. Yeah. That's a shame. So in the new 52, as he died, 
Is this no, the, it was, the Damien that has died? It, it was weird because nobody knew whether Morrison's Batman Incorporated stuff and the New 52 stuff were working together. Right. So, but when Damien died, he was out of all the Bat books. Right. There's a, a Snyder issue with this, which is about Batman pushing himself after Damien's death. Hmm. See, there's a, I also think that this is a much more convincing breaking of Batman than Nightfall. Yeah. And I actually really love Nightfall. But he he breaks Batman here. And you've got that thing that's a little bit like the Purge where the people are watching him mm. be destroyed. All the rich members of, of the Owls. And they do the kind of Jeff Johns to kill a mockingbird. Not Jeff Johns. Darwin Cook. Mm. Um, to kill a mockingbird type thing where they have the little girl be... Batman's downfall. And then Batman finally does the I am sick to death of owls. Yeah. And turns the tables on him. Did you think that was... I don't want to say it wasn't earned, because he was actually at the point where he was he was willing to give up and die. And then he just... He turns in his head. He turns into this big, massive, giant bat, and he finds the strength to get up and fight. I See, this is a difficult one. That I did not buy it. Mm. So I don't really know what my problem is with it. Well, I liked it because for the past two issues, mm. he's at his lowest mentally. Oh, yeah, he's been broken and, mentally and physically. So he's been in here for weeks. Mm. And he, it's not as though it came out of nowhere. He's been seeing things throughout both issues. He's mm. been seeing himself change. He's, his parents come out. So and even the owls he sees as creatures, not as actual people. Mm. So I thought it was perfectly fine because immediately after it, when he's back in his zone, he's Batman again. Mm. See, because there is that he doesn't actually win per se, does he? No. He manages to to get the upper hand and then he runs. Yeah, and there's a great bit as well where it says, "I will come back and I will end you." But then his mental dialogue is going, "I'm never coming back here." Mm. And there's also that wonderful MacGyver bit where he, he says white marble is what yeah. the place is constructed out. Marble, white marble, not construction marble, mm. is much easier, more vulnerable to explosions. And you know what explodes? Potassium chlorate, which is why I slipped out a supply of filament plates from your cameras. Yeah. And so he's he's actually used their own environment against them. Mm. Well, but, this it was a great kind of hero bit because mm. he's been at his worst, and then he just needed to crack back into place, and he's Batman again. Yeah. So, but you've got that thing though that I think we've mentioned again before, where the movies have missed this. Yeah. They would have just had him kick the shit out of the talon and get the hell out of Dodge. Whereas how he actually escapes is by using his brains. Mm. So there, that's what that's why I call it the MacGyverism. Yeah. That you've got that moment, though, where, he, yeah, he's turned it around, he's managed to kick the crap out of the talon, but how he gets away is he's thought it through mm. and he's spotted things that he can use to his advantage in the environment that he's in. Yeah. So it's his smarts that ultimately enable him to get away. Because in, in an actual man-on-man fight, there's no way you'd be able to do it. Mm. it. It was only the whole cornered animal thing that really yeah. made him win the fight and do you know what I really like about this as well throughout the entire boot you've seen that Batman is very well muscled and he's very well what's that by the time you get to this bit Capullo's drawing him as very skinny yeah and the costume doesn't fit him properly because mm. how long's he been there without proper food a few weeks so he's, he's lost some weight yeah he's lost some muscle mass that's what I liked about it so that's mm. what really sold it it's one of the things with Nightfall that Bane wore him down, mm. but he was still, you know, he still had all his smarts there. 
and there is a certain part of Nightfall, as much as I do love it, I love Nightfall, there is a certain part of it where you think, but this whole story only really works if Batman stops thinking. Mm. And he doesn't stop thinking in this. No. So I think the fight with the Talon was actually more earned. But it's not like he doesn't stop thinking. He's not still... Batman mentally, mm. it's it's really quite good and quite believable. Is that he's all over the place physically and mentally, but he's still at the heart of it, Batman. Yeah, well, no, they they actually, I think they did a convincing job of breaking him. Yeah, and I think what's really good about it though is that his his recovery is an instant. Mm. He doesn't immediately fight the Court of Owls here, like you said. He says, "I will be back," but he, mentally he's like, "I'm never coming back." Yeah, but, but he's, he, he's not going to show weakness. Yeah, to his enemy, he manages to get away totally, and then he shows up with. Harper Row. Yeah. Now I said this to you. In just reading this, she comes out of nowhere. Mm. Whereas I presume the backup stories are presented at the end of Volume Two of the Trade Paperbacks, aren't they? Mm, she's not in any of the backups. I thought we had that entire issue that was about her point of view from coming to the party. Did that not happen before we got this in the monthlies? No. Did it not? No. So you only learn about Harper Row after this. Yeah. Right, so you're supposed to go, well, who the hell's she? Right, in that case, it's a resounding success. Yeah. Because I did read this and go, who's she? Yeah, so did I the first time it came out. But, I mean, by the time you get up to here, I think you're in on it. Mm. You're on this bandwagon by the time you get to this point. You're you're fully into the story. You keep reading and it pays off, and then you keep reading more and there's a bit more of her. So Mm. it's kind of like, if this were a TV show, she'd be... That that fan favorite character is only in every odd episode. Oh, so Felicia Day then? <laughs> I suppose. Okay, fair enough. And he gets back to he gets back to the cave. I love that his password is Furbanks. Right, Douglas Furbanks. Okay, right. Macazara, which I thought was a really nice touch. And then he actually visibly recoils from the fact that they've got one of the owls. Is it the Talon again? Yeah. It's the one he just beat in the, in the maze. Right. They kicked him out because he's no good to So them. they did, yes. So they've actually got him in the cave and Batman physically recoils from him. Yeah. So did... And then he has another Batman moment where he's got to be a detective so he gets back into that mode. Yeah. So it's being a detective that helps him recover. And artistically as well, he's a lot more... Capullo's shown him to be a lot more physically worn out. Mm. Yeah, he's, he, he looks, his eyes are hollow. One, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not just a stubble as well, but it works. No, no, it's not just a shorthand stubble. I'll give him all credit for that. The eyes are hollow. He's got very deep bags under his eyes. His face, his jaw, not his jaw, his, his cheekbones look sunken. Yeah. Because, again, he's lost some weight because of how long he's been here. And, it's again, it's all going towards selling that this is something that he's never actually had to deal with before. Mm. And it's it's building a better Batman without building a better Batman. It's yeah. stripping him, like you said earlier on, it's stripping him all down to his essence, which is his intelligence. Yeah. And that's ultimately how he's, he's going to bring the court of owls He's down. pretty much the Daniel Craig James Bond. Yeah. Let's strip him back to the basics mm. and then reintroduce all the elements as we go through the next couple of issues. And I, I like the, the Dick Grayson conversation where Bruce is basically... He doesn't want to tell him that his grandfather was... And what the his talent, plan yeah. for him was. And if you're going to phase me, frankly, you don't know me at all. And he turns around and punches him and knocks his tooth out. Yeah. Which he shows as the owl thing on it. So and again, that scene as well, it was a shock moment for everyone, mm, reader and the characters. Yeah, when he punches it. But this carries on. 
because yeah, dicks are yeah. very. I will get you back for that punch. Yeah. Throughout this entire story, again showing that he's not a stroppy brat mm. about this. I, I love these three pages, which essentially is just Bruce and Dick in the cave having a conversation. Yeah. But it's slowing the story down long enough for you to be able to understand Batman's thought processes and what's going on. And this is something we've rallied against before. Is you need a little bit of downtime before you go into the next event. When Marvel has two events a year, it's not an event. Yeah. And you're just careening from one story to the next. And it, But it doesn't have to be an issue of downtime. Mm. He does it here in three pages where Bruce takes a minute and he's examining the body of the talent that he's got in the cave, and then Dick comes in to talk to him, and through that conversation, you're slowing it down long enough for you to be able to get a good grip on what Bruce is thinking. Mm. And it's not just one action scene after another action scene. It's not Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee, and this isn't dishing hush, that's a very different kind of story, but it's not one issue going straight into another fight, going straight into another fight, going straight into another fight. Mm. There are moments of downtime throughout the story. This, uh, this what Snyder understands is that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Mm. So you've got to have Bruce Wayne in it a lot. And not just have him... Because a lot of writers seem to have Bruce Wayne be the mask. Mm. Where in this, Bruce Wayne is integral. Yeah, Bruce Wayne's story. just as important. Yeah. In fact, Bruce Wayne is as important in this story as Batman is. Because this is all about the Waynes. Mm. And even, they'll even tie his mum and dad into it yeah. in a later part of the story on one of the backup strips. So, and I lo- I like all that stuff about his uncle or his great-great-uncle or great-great-grandfather or his whatever he was. Grandma, yeah. All of that was really good. If I have a problem, complaint number one, Right. Okay. this graphic novel ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah. But... Which is why I think maybe the graphic novel should have been the first ten issues. The absolute is, which I'm still quite surprised this was two issues yeah i mean maybe it was one of those cases where they just wanted to start to see a return on their investment mm. and dc have admitted of late that the graphic novel collections now do sell better than the monthly periodicals right and but i suppose it, if you bought volume one and you end it on a cliffhanger you'll buy volume two yeah but the thing with it is this is a problem only for the trade yeah if you're reading it monthly it's not the end of a story leaning to another. It's all one big story. Yeah, it is. And and, and I, I went straight into the second trade paperback, yeah. which I got from Costco for quite reasonable. Mm. So it's, Ultimately, you know, if it wasn't for the, the strange choices for the, the backup strip, the Absolute would probably would have been the yeah. better way to go if you can't get all the monthlies. Do you think the Absolute would have benefited from putting that story where the, the attack the back cave, don't they? Yeah. And then, yeah, here it is. So it isn't in volume one. Sorry, I made a mistake earlier on. It's in volume two. But the Court of Owls, they're coming after Bruce Wayne. So they don't know Bruce Wayne's Batman. No, they find out in this issue. Yeah, well, we'll go into that when we get into volume two. Because they're only after Bruce because he wants to start the new building initiative. But see, this backup strip picks up exactly where that issue ends. Yeah. And I I think that's quite an important part of the story. That's only a backup strip in the absolute. Oh, it's just at the back, yeah. yeah it's, it's, very strange it's, it's a very choice. strange choice that lets it down, because mm. otherwise it would have been the definitive. See, you don't think there's a definitive printing of this story, do you? No. Apart from the original issues? Yeah. I think if you're going to read the Snyder stuff, you have to read all the issues, because right. the trades collect them silly. You know, there's the one issue that stands alone and all that, but they collected them all together, mm. so they don't quite work. Right. 
So and the absolute makes that little cock up with that backup yeah, score. Yeah. So ultimately, th- there hasn't been a definitive Snyder Capullo collection. Other than the original. Other than the original issues. Periodical. Yeah. Right. Well, that was the end of Volume One, Court of Owls. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to go back to your synopsis for the City of Owls? Yeah. Right. So, the City of Owls, or Night of Owls, or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> ran uh, through Batman issue. Is, is Night of Owls not a separate thread? Is the Night of Owls all the crossover stuff? I think so. Right, and okay. rather erroneously, on the the spine of the trade paperback of that, it's mm. credited Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Right. But the only stories in that are the Batman ones that, that are, are in this. In this yeah. yeah. Everything else is Nightwing, Birds of Prey, whatever else crossed yeah. over into the DC weren't very good at collecting the t- crossovers. They were a big fan of them, but they couldn't collect them very well. Yeah, they were a big fan of them when they were making them money. Uh, but it runs through issues 8 through 10. Yeah. Um, the covers, again, all by Greg Capullo. Uh, for 8, it's Bruce Wayne on Wayne Manor fighting the Talons. 9, it's the Bat Armor looming over the Wayne Manor. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we have the Batman Annual, which we'll mention briefly, which is by Jason Fabok. Yeah. With a uh, cover of Batman and Mr. Freeze. Uh, issue 10 is Batman with owl wings holding the court mask. Which is the cover of the graphic novel volume 2. Yeah, and issue 11 is uh, Batman on fire. Because do you still want the trade paperback collection list that comes with the Coat of Owl mask? Yeah, definitely. Because I, I tried to get you that for Halloween one yeah. year and it sold out. But then they came back into print, by which point Halloween had gone. Yeah, yeah. And I should have bought it then just for the Coat of Owl mask. Even even if it's like an unboxed, just the mask without the trade. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, so the variant covers, uh, issue eight, uh, Fabok. Jason Fabok. Yeah. Issue nine is Dale Keown. Is it? it? Is that Dale Keown? What's happened to Dale Keown? He used to be good on Incredible Hulk. Yeah, it is. Oh, no, that's not very good at all. Uh, Ten, Raphael Albuquerque. I like that one. There's a, there's a stylistic... Yes. ...ness, which isn't a word, but I just made it one. Uh, ten is... Oh, we've just done ten. Eleven is uh, Andrew Clark. All oh, right, okay. Fair enough. And I presume that's Brian Hitch. Yeah. That's Brian Hitch's cover, isn't it? Oh, that was, that's a very cover for issue 12. Well, yeah, it would be, because that's the... Cause that's, one yeah, that's in the issue that, you know, we're not going to talk about, but it's in the back of the graphic novel, so we'll, we may as well, we'll, we'll We'll do a Harper Row show. All right. I have planned on that. Okay. Got all this worked out, have you? I have. I'm very impressed. When Bruce Wayne was three years old, Thomas and Martha Wayne were pregnant with another child. However, after a car crash, the child was born premature and didn't survive the night. And so, a willow tree was planted on the edge of the manor's grounds in memory of the lost Wayne. That manor is currently under attack from the court's talons. Alfred runs to the cave but is followed, while Bruce is fighting off the attackers and manages to work his way down to Alfred, but the talons have already breached the cave. They hide in a bunker and turn the temperature of the cave to sub-zero to slow the talons' regenerative abilities, but they're slowly making their way through the armoured doors. Bruce decides it's time to wear the robotic suit of armour and fight the Talons while Alfred puts a call out to the Bat family across Gotham. The Talons outnumber Bruce and manage to break through the armour as his vital signs dwindle in the cold, but just before he passes out, the Bats in the cave swarm the Talons and Bruce suits up. As Batman, he manages to take down the rest of the Talons and heads out into the city of Owls. Alfred finds that the Talon's victims are all the people who have shaped Gotham in some form or another, and so the family go out to protect them. 
Batgirl fights a Japanese Talon, while Commissioner Gordon is threatened by a member of the court to not turn on the bat signal. But when he does, it lights the crest of the court in the sky. Batwing fights a Talon at a Batman Incorporated gala. Damien protects an army general while moaning that he wants to protect the manor with his father. <laughs> Nightwing fights his now free great-grandfather. Red Hood and the Outlaws protect Mr. Freeze, who helps the court with their regenerative blood, but now refuses to serve them. The Birds of Prey defend themselves from a delusional Talon. Batman protects the Black Mask-controlled Jeremiah Arkham, and then captures the escaped Mr. Freeze with the help of Nightwing and Robin. And finally, Catwoman protects the Penguin from a Talon while she waits to steal a score from the Penguin's criminal dealings. Batman pays a visit to mayoral candidate Lincoln Merch, who shoots a talent that was waiting to ambush Batman before dying from stab wounds. Before he can die, he gives Batman a list of some donations which could be linked to the court. It does, and Batman waits in the Powers penthouse for them to return, having found the owl masks. Mrs. Powers returns, and after Batman leaves, phones her husband. Alfred traces the call to a blackout zone in the city, and Batman knows exactly where it is. He returns to the building he visited as a child, only this time the secret room is not empty. It's decorated with the dead bodies of the court, all sat around a table full of wine glasses. Suicide. The following day, Bruce is still unable to accept that the death of the court members is the end of the case, and sees a small pin his mother is wearing in a portrait and remembers something that Lincoln March told him. That night, Batman investigates the abandoned children's hospital that March said he stayed in as a child. The hospital was one of the best until the death of their largest funders, the Waynes, and it became well known for child abuse and neglect. Tonight, the hospital is where Batman confronts Lincoln March, who staged his death so that he could use the regenerative formula and become the new Talon, and having killed the courts and staged their deaths too, could operate without their, without their will guiding his actions. Lincoln March hates Bruce Wayne, but why? He claims that his parents left him in the hospital. Unable to move due to injuries he received from a car crash his mother was in whilst she was pregnant with him, he claims that his parents died while he was in the hospital but his brother was still out there and never came for him. From that day, the court raised him as their own tool to carry out their will and planned his dramatic debut to Gotham City until his brother returned and stole the spotlight. And on that day, Lincoln March was born and Gotham City never knew of Thomas Wayne Jr. Bruce denied that he ever had a brother and accuses March of lying to him while the two fight. The Talon, using a futuristic suit of armour, flies Batman through Gotham, showing him the backward city that he grew up watching. The tour ends in front of an airplane and Batman struggles to fight his way out of a turbine and detonates a bomb on the Talon's back, which sends him flying into the turbine instead. Batman falls off the plane and down into the city. He crash lands into the building that was going to be the centrepiece of the Gotham Initiative, but before he can catch his breath, the Talon returns. He grabs Batman and carries him around as he plants bombs around the structure of the building. He plans to blow up the building with the two inside it, and return as Thomas Wayne Jr as he should have, but the building starts to explode and crumble. Batman manages to escape as the tower falls apart around him. In the following days, the Talons are moved to cryogenic freezing. Batman searches the rubble for bodies, investigates the court's trail, and explains the situation to Dick. He believes that there's no way that Lincoln March could have been his dead brother, and that if the Court of Owls ever returns, he'll be watching. Which was a good ending. Mm. Very, good. Very good synopsis. Thank well. you. I like how you made it more linear, mm. making it easier to... It's good that. Yeah. Very impressed. Love these two issues. The Attack on Wayne Manor issues. 
Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Made especially good because the Talons don't know that he's Batman, mm. as we were just talking about. So they're in for quite the surprise Yeah. when they attack Bruce Wayne, but are actually led into the cave because they don't really have a choice, do they? Mm. They have to follow him down to the cave because that's where Alfred goes to, to monitor on the CCTV. Bruce fighting with them is really cool because they're not quite prepared for this level of yeah. resistance. Which is why, what I don't get about this is why they send so many talents for him. Everyone else only gets one, but he has a lot of them. Yeah, that does seem a little bit strange. Unless the court know that he's Batman. And the Talons are just the, the right hand, so there's no need for them to know. Yeah, I suppose. So the, I mean, it doesn't say either way, does it, that the court knows he's Batman? He could have found out while he was yeah. in the maze. So that's that's entirely possible. What I love about it is the cave, he crushes one of them underneath the giant penny. Mm. <laughs> Your lucky penny, sir. So was that Alfred? Yeah. Alfred did that. And later on he activates Fido, which is the 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 giant dinosaur. And it crushes a couple of them under his foot. Yeah. So I love that the penny and the dinosaur actually have something to do. The bat armor's pretty cool as well. The bat armor is absolutely astonishing. But it, it's the build-up to it. It's like we've got all the Court of Owls stuff out of the way. We've mentioned before he does a good job of slowing the story down. Yeah. This one is just balls-out action. Yeah. Wayne Manor's under attack. They've made their way into the cave. They've found out that he's Batman, and then Batman opens it up with the suit of armor. I think they've kind of earned it as well, because up until this point, there hasn't been uh, as big as an action sequence. No, there hasn't. There's been fights. There's been occasional action bites. Yeah. But for the most part, yeah, he's built up to this. They've already established that extreme cold affects the talons. Mm. So that doesn't come out of nowhere. So he starts lowering the temperature in the cave and he's in the armour so with a bit of luck he'll be able to protect himself. This is then followed up by that backup strip. Who did you say did the artwork for that? Uh, Raphael. Raphael Albuquerque. Albuquerque, which in the, the volume two graphic novel actually takes place exactly where it should do. Yeah. So this did actually make for a good read. I presume that when you see what the Bat family are up to, all of that was in their own books. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Right. So that's a, I paid lip service to. Yeah, so that's a separate um, excuse me. So that's a separate trade, isn't it? Or yeah. in the separate issues. Or read them as separate issues. Or do what I do. I have a list because of course you do. What's very very good about the crossover <laughs> actually, despite a few discrepancies, mm-hmm. they all have times throughout them. Yeah. So what I do is sad. I know. <laughs> I have a list. Of all the times in which issues. So when I'm reading them, I read a few pages of this and swap over to read a few pages of that. I wish the reader could see your face as you're explaining this. Because, like, you know that this is deeply geeky. Uh, But uh, we're on a comic book podcast, so... It was genuinely, because the past two or three times I've read this, I've read it properly. All the crossovers, because we've got them all. Yeah. And I do read them all properly, so I've got them. But reading it for this show, I only read... This. The Batman stuff, so it felt, it, I felt empty. Did it really? Because I got a whole meal from this. No, I did too. So it wasn't that, it, there was nothing missing from this. Mm. But I'm used to there being more. Yeah. So. See, I don't think I've ever read the crossovers because I'm Essentially, not it's, feel, it's supposed to feel like a long a long night. Yeah. And if, uh, reading all the crossovers, it does feel like kind of a long night. Mm. But you're reading this and the night passes quite slowly. 
Now, so, quickly, even. So, do you think at some point they should do an omnibus Court of Owls? No, definitely not. That doesn't that has all the crossovers. Definitely in not. You put all the all the crossovers in, and it's it's a fun, entertaining read. But the quality would be all over the place. But, uh, there are a few issues that are not very good. Right. Okay. I'm so, looking at you, Judd Winnick. <laughs> Sorry, Judd. Genuinely, there's his detective comics mm. uh, by David Lynch. The the bit where Batman goes up to Lincoln March mm. and Lincoln March shoots the Talon. That's when Judd Winnick's issue takes place. Right. Now, do you remember that bit in Batman where the Talon, despite being shot in the head, regrew his head back, mm. attacked Batman, got thrown out of the window, and then managed to escape, and Red Robin came and they looked for him? No, I don't remember that bit in Batman. I was too. looking at you going, I'm pretty sure I read all of this, but I don't recall that. Yeah, apparently that's what happened. All right, okay. So just stick with, stick with the Snyder stuff. Yeah, definitely. For the most part. All right. But yeah, the attack on the cave is absolutely fantastic. And does it fight? I've just flipped past the fight up page again. Yeah. And he, he goes to plummet the knife into his head. That's a great panel mm. where the knife very nearly touches his eyeball. Absolutely. And love yeah, and, and Batman's like a bit. A bit concerned at this point. And this, these couple of pages are what I was saying before about Capullo and his storytelling. This is masterful stuff. Mm. We've got your thin panels where it's all getting tense, and then a full splash page of the, of the bats, bats coming back in, coming back into the cave. That's why he was lowering the temperature. Yeah, it was nothing to do with the talons. Mm. And suddenly again, it's Batman being smart. Yeah. That enables him to get away with it. And then there's a great bit where he runs one over. <laughs> he runs one of them over heel, in the Batmobile. <laughs> He's got a healing factor. Let him get better. Yeah, I love these two issues. Yeah. I genuinely love the attack on Wayne Manor stuff. My only... Lincoln Marsh, as we will find out, were the car crash happened that killed Thomas Wayne, because we do find out that that is actually true. We do find yeah. out that Martha Wayne was pregnant. Which was one of those... Uh, Captain America saying Hail Hydra was controversial, mm. but finding out that the Waynes had another child wasn't. Yeah, this just... Everybody accepted this. Yeah. Did everyone accept this, though, because Thomas Wayne is an established part of Batman lore in the Golden Age? I don't know. They did establish that there was a Thomas Wayne Jr. Yeah. And, and my problem with it is always in this, he's his younger brother... So why is Bruce not Thomas Jr.? As a rule, don't you name the firstborn either Thomas Wayne II, Thomas Wayne the second, Thomas right. Wayne Jr., whatever. It's very unusual to name... It would be like me naming Adam Andrew. Okay. When traditionally it would be you that would have been called Andrew. Right. So that that was a bit odd. Why would he wait for the second child to name him Thomas Jr.? I don't know. Whereas, I, I, again, I, this is off the top of my head and I don't really remember the Thomas Wayne stuff, but wasn't Thomas his older brother in the Golden Age? I, I don't think. Know. Well, in this, he, he kind of has that hatred to him, not for stealing his, his spotlight, but also because he felt abandoned. Mm. He knew he had a brother, but he never came for him. Yeah, and so the implication here is that this guy has been told... He believes this. Yeah. He believes he's Thomas but Wayne But what's Jr. great about this is it's never... He says that, and mm. Bruce says otherwise. Yeah. But what's so good about it is that it's never confirmed nor denied. No. For all we know, this could be Thomas Wayne this Jr. This could be Thomas Wayne Jr., yeah. But the body's gone, which is why, you know, uh, Lincoln March went back up again. Because mm. I've only read the Nightwing Rebirth, so I don't know if he's in Grayson or anything else a bit more. But if 
Lincoln March ever came back, if he was used more than once, then there's no way that Batman couldn't find out whether or not he is his brother. Yeah. See, in this This one, only works because the body's gone. Yeah, the body's disappeared. And he's, he's investigated the, um, the medical records yeah. and confirmed, yes, his mum was pregnant. Yes, that baby was killed in that car crash. But he, finds but he the... survived for 24 hours. Yeah. So for 24 hours, he had a brother. But then he finds the paperwork mm. saying that someone was entered into the hospital. So it's great that if you want to believe, then everything's there backing you up. But if you want to say no, then again, mm. it backs that up too. Yeah. So I do wonder then if the controversy or non-controversy was because Thomas Wayne is an established part of bat, bat law. Yeah. And people just went, oh, he's managed to integrate the Thomas Wayne stuff into modern continuity. Brilliant. Because yeah. I remember thinking, oh, right. And I don't even remember much about the Thomas Wayne stuff. I remember reading this and there's there's a part of it where at the time I was thinking, oh, this could be quite a, a, a scandalous, controversial kind of new mm. take that might be interesting, but nothing... I think it's because of that. Right. I think it's it's Thomas Wayne Jr. is an established part of the Was it not myth. just because all the Wayne stuff was in the backup strips? Possibly. But, yeah, well, no... Mm, I was going to say nobody kicked off when it was revealed that Peter Parker's parents were S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. agents, but that's kind of been downplayed over the years, hasn't it? Yeah. And they were just spies. Right. And rather than S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, because then you're kind of taking Peter Parker out of the realm of every man mm. if his parents were James Bond and Jane Bond. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, I like like that structure of this, that he believes what he's saying is true. Batman's evidence chain leads him to believe it isn't true. Yeah. But even he admits, Bruce Wayne admits to Dick at the end of this, I've got no real way of knowing. Yeah, and it's it's nice as well, because it, it's one of those things where he could just be, he's been lied to all the time, but then they have the backup strips, which backs him up. Mm. And there's the willow tree as well. Yeah. Which is mentioned and then shown, right? So it's it's quite interesting in that it's it's it could be either way. Yeah, it's really really good. So then, attack on the owls, assault on the court. Sorry, is the next issue. We're and Batman, suddenly we're back to cool ass. We're Batman. back to cool ass Batman. Yeah. So is this a significant amount of time later then? This him? is the early morning right. of the night. So he launches an all out offensive on the court. Yeah. And they're all dead. And he has that, that personal thing as well where he was right as a child. Mm. And so he knows immediately where to go. And yep. he knows. So the investigation that he had as a child plays into the end of the story. Yeah. So the Court of Owls. But I also do like as well that the Wayne's murder wasn't a Court of Owls thing. That was still just a random incident. Mm. Even though, as we will find out in one of the backups with Alfred and Jarvis Pennyworth, yeah. Martha Wayne was being threatened by the Murr. Yeah. Because she didn't want to play who ball with him. Who would have been working yeah, for them. who would have been working for the Court of Owls. So, all of that... Because I do still think that the Wayne's murder should be a random event. Mm. And I, I got from the end of this that when he investigated it, because young Bruce so desperately wants there to be a reason that his parents are dead, yeah. he's clutching at straws that, all right, it was the Court of Owls that did it. And ultimately he finds out, no, they didn't. It was a random event. I got the impression that was Snyder thumbing his nose at the people who feel the need to make the Wayne well, murders part of the larger tapestry. Yeah, but at the same time, that it's it could be that the court did set that up hmm. and that Bruce as a detective, was quite obvious, and so they knew to hide from him, possibly. Yeah, mm. yeah I suppose so. And there's a really creepy orphanage bit where you can see all the ghosts. Yes. 
And Capullo does creepy off. But again, supernatural stuff in Batman is is always works. This is why Batman is such a great character. He's so yeah. flexible. You want to put him in a supernatural horror story, he totally works. Yeah. You want to put him in a film now detective story, he totally works. You want to tell a balls-out superhero story with him, he totally works. You can even argue you want to put him in a science fiction story and it totally works. Yeah. I'm not as big a fan of a Batman that has a teleportation chamber in the Batcave. Batman in space is cool. I don't know that I'm down with Batman. Batman. I mean, unless he's going to, you know, incinerate Ra's al Ghul. Well, I was just going to say, Batman versus Ra's al Ghul <laughs> in space. On, on a space satellite. Yeah, and he kicks him out and kills him. Because any story with Ra's al Ghul automatically becomes a James Bond story. Yeah, yeah, James, Ra's al Ghul is a James Bond villain. Yeah. And so, yeah, you've then got Batman as globe-trotting hero. Yeah. And so, all right, fair enough. It's not that I didn't enjoy that issue. But, yeah, this is this is good stuff. And then the final talent turns out to be Lincoln Marsh. But what I was saying ages ago is Lincoln Marsh, that's where the crash is, the corner of Lincoln yeah. and Marsh. Well, that's never outright pointed no, out. No, no, it's said in one panel, in a backup strip. Well, it's not even that. It's the car crashes and there's a street sign saying yeah. Lincoln and Marsh. It's never outright said. But my only problem with that is, would that street not still be there? So um, why does Batman not know, or Bruce Wayne not know there's a street at the corner of Lincoln and Marsh? Where his parents had a car or crash. Or have the owls subsequently had that street name changed? Or... Could have been. But that, was, that was my only thing with it. I thought yeah. that was... Batman would... He knows every street name in Gotham. Well, I don't know, because Lincoln Merch does say that he wanted Batman Bruce to find out, and he's so That's true. obvious with it. Yeah, because it's just so... Ultimately, it's, it's his big-headedness. Mm. It's his belief his that... stubbornness. He, his stubbornness and his belief that he knows everything that is his downfall in this. Yeah. And Lincoln Mark says that. He said, I told you I was a bad guy from the get-go. Yeah. So you've got, like, the anti-hush. Yeah. Whereas you're reading this and you're going, you can't not know Lincoln's the bad guy. Mm. And then you get to the end of it and Lincoln Marsh is, how many clues did I have to leave you? Yeah. So he's, it's not a Tommy Elliot thing as far as I remember Hush, which could be wrong. Mm. But in this, he deliberately wants Bruce to find him. Yeah. So he's like, again, there's a James Bond-esque-ness to that. Yeah, I want you to know that I'm doing this. There's no fun if you don't know it's me. Yeah. So yeah, that's all really, really cool. And the final fight between the two of them in the plane, yeah. on top of the plane, it's not quite Batman number one, mm. Rebirth number one, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's still Batman on a plane. And again, how does Bruce defeat him? Smarts. He outsmarts him. Mm. He puts that little patch thing on the back of him and he blows up. And I love that watch your back and he says, you take your own advice. Yeah. And you've got that lovely little bit where you can just imagine him going... What? <laughs> and it would be that bit where he would look at the camera yeah. in in a film version of it because it's just a close up of his guy going, "Oh sh!" Boom. Yeah. All brilliant stuff. And Batman then plummets to his death, mm. and he's like, "If I die like this, I've brought the court down. Yeah, I can live with that, mm. or I can die with that." And then he decides, "No, I've not finished yet." The high velocity bat rope. I don't know that I. I quite bought um, that. Well, I like this bit as well because it starts off with his, his Bruce Wayne Gotham initiative thing mm. and then Lincoln March, the Court of Owls, break everything down. Yeah. The reason why he created this thing really was because he wanted more bat caves around Gotham. Yeah. And so he... he Which he, he invented after No Man's Land, didn't he? Or before No Man's Land? Did he? I'm sure... I'm misremembering the chronology of this. I know I am. 
but I'm sure after Nightfall... Yeah, when he turns over the mantle of the bat to Dick in Prodigal, right. he's around Gotham building separate right, little okay. bat caves all around town, which come in useful during Nightfall. Yeah. Um, no Man's Land, right. I think. That's cool. But this, the, the, the towers, the buildings, they represent Batman mm. and his being knowing the city. Yeah. And then the owls tear it all down and they make it collapse. But he's going to rebuild. Exactly. But he's going to rebuild for Gotham, not for Batman. Mm. And you get another love of a bit. Bruce is now in a wheelchair, severely battered, mm. after defeating Lincoln Marsh. And he explains the plot to Dick Grayson. Do you know what I do like about all this? It's Dick that he's the closest to. Yeah. Tim Drake doesn't really have a role in this. No. And I suppose you could argue in the New 52, they could have gotten rid of Tim. Mm. And I think perhaps maybe they should have. Right. In the New 52, I love Tim Drake. The Chuck Dixon Robin stuff is brilliant. But I think in the New 52, they should have just made that clean break. Well, if And the, they should have established Jason and Tim never existed. If the rumours are to be believed... They're about to kill off Tim Drake. Yeah. But... I think in the new 52, they just should never have happened. Honestly, It should I have been think... Dick Grayson, and it should have been Damien. No, I think it should have been Dick, Jason, and Tim. And I think they shouldn't have bothered with Damien. Damien should have stayed in Batman Incorporated. And that's it. And to serve his role and to die, and right. that's it. See, but if you're fitting it in that, that five-year timeline, the Dick-Damien thing works better. No, it... Yeah, it doesn't work, but at the same time you are sacrificing a lot of Batman history for the sake of a stupid five-year timeline. Yeah, that's... Which, the no only reason you have to do that, that is because p- people felt... Dan DiDio felt the need to specify how he long Batman's been active. He didn't have the courage to go all the way mm. and say this is a complete brand new Ground Zero retelling. Yeah. Because he had Jeff Johns' Green Lantern that he'd spent years building up that he then, didn't want to start again with. There wouldn't be that many problems with the bat title. And ultimately, no, there aren't this, any... this, you could tell this story with Dick as Robin there are. or just become Nightwing and Damien as Robin. And this only being three years into Batman's career. Yeah, but ultimately there are no problems with the story. It could take place anywhere hmm. at any given time. The whole the, the Snyder arc. But once you say something like five-year timeline nothing about it works mm. and you're sacrificing so much just for the sake of that that purely arbitrary yeah there's no decision need, there's no need for it and by stating it you're ruining an awful lot mm. whereas this this i'd loved this i genuinely did love that it, it genuinely only gets better yeah it so it starts good i think my favorite of all of his stuff is um death of the family in zero yeah which we've already done yeah and I love him saying, because Gotham isn't Batman. Gotham isn't the Owls. Gotham is all of us. And Dick's, it's a little bit Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. Mm. Dick Gross. It's one of those things I wish Scott Snyder could have written everything. I wish he could have <laughs> written Nightwing as well as yeah. writing Batman. Instead of only writing Batman. But I get why he didn't. You know. But yeah, I love this. I mean, it's, for the most part, it seems to be quite well received. Like we've said, it's quite well received critically and commercially. I know some people aren't that big of a fan of it. Right. But I I just genuinely, when you're reading it, it's just such a gripping reading experience. Every, when we read this monthly, every month I was disappointed at the end of it. Yeah, every month when the new I comics arrived, you would text me at yeah. work, can I read comics? Yeah. Because I want to read Batman. So it was the first one I read, but every month I was disappointed that I had to wait another month to read mm. the next one. Well, that's a good comic. Yeah. Okay. 
And, you know, we've said before, we'll slag off the new 52 because we didn't like much of it. But the stuff they did get right, which was Batman, was excellent. Yeah. It was really, really good. The whole the whole run is great. Yeah. And the last issue itself. I mean, you have to read the entire run to fully appreciate the last issue. Mm. But it's a, it's a fantastic issue. Right. Okay, okay. Well, I will carry on burning through that because now we have no shows to prep. We don't, we don't. As of this, Michael's now off back to uni. In a couple of days. Yeah, in a few days, in two days' time. Yeah. As we record this. Yeah. So I've, I've already left by the time you've, this goes yeah, up. Well, you've left, probably <laughs> come back a few times. But as it currently stands, you've not got any appreciable holidays, have you? No. So the half term you're away in New York for New York Comic Con. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. So the next time that you'll be coming home is Christmas. Yeah. So that's why these have been spaced out quite evenly to take us through to December. So Michael's off now. So for all of those of you that have been like, how can we miss you if you won't go away? (laughs) You're only going to get one episode a month. Or you've only had one episode a month. You brought this on yourselves? Yeah, well, I tried to. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Well, I've tried to space them out a bit. But over Christmas, we will definitely be revisiting some Capullo Snyder. As usual, we'll be doing our regular Christmas episode. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. I might write the next Batman one over Christmas. Yeah, and uh, you'll have to let me know what you're doing so I can read them. I, I, won't, I think I'll read them all. Just read all of them. Yeah, but you're going to take them with you. I'll, t- I'll take All my comics that I've paid for. All the ones that you don't have in trade form, I'll take. Right, right, well, okay, fair enough. All so, you do have in trade form. What, what, what's your final opinion on this? Is that it's just damn good? Yes. Yeah. It's To me, it's not the best of the run, but it's it starts off strong and gets better. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, I, I loved reading that. I thought they were absolutely fantastic. Mm. I'm going to finish that trade and start volume three, which is Death of the Family. Death of the Family is a perfect story, right. in and, my opinion. And then I'm going to try and pick up the other volumes of the trades for cheap. Yeah. Because they should be falling in price at the minute. Well, in that case, you don't need the single issues. No, but I want to... If I'm, 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 uh, I want to read them. Uh, well, not if you get the trades. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> Just taking my comics that I've paid for. Anyway... Hope you enjoyed it. Thank yes. you very much for these these specials that we've been preparing over the summer holidays. Mm-hmm. That will come out slow. It's been a it's been a long summer holiday. Oh god, you know it's cold now. It's <laughs> right. as we get into December. Oh. The sun's the sun's starting to, to show itself yeah, again. A bit, a bit shivery, isn't it? By the time so, this comes out, it will be next summer. Yeah. So by the time uh, we do this again, it will be Christmas. Yeah. And um, we may have even seen a new Star Wars movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Rogue One's coming out, isn't it? That'll be the next show then. That'll probably we'll probably do a Star Wars Rogue One show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that would be cool. Thank you very much for joining us. We will see you whenever the next time is. Goodbye. Goodbye. Ba-doop. Yes, this is real music. Dark, brooding, important, groundbreaking. Check out the lyrics. Darkness No parents Continue darkness More darkness, get it? The opposite of light Black hole Curtains drawn
A-Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Find work for idle hands to do production and a Two True Freaks presentation. If you wish to buy stuff from Amazon, why not do it through the TwoTrueFreaks.com link, which leaves a couple of pennies in our tip gym. The music used in Hey Kids Comics is used to underscore the synopsis, so they're not quite as boring as you just listening to me talk. Michael and Andrew can be reached through Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Why not join us so we can talk about funny books together? Correspondence to the show generally can be sent to HeyKidsComics at virginmedia.com. <laughs> 